0: Time to welcome in Ben Anderson. here hear him on Utah Jazz pre-half and post-game shows. Ben, good morning. Good morning, guys. Ben, we've been discussing the All-Star game, and it seems like that uh, Elam ending, playing for points, no clock in the fourth quarter, got everybody fired up. Everybody's excited. Both teams played hard, and we quickly agreed. What a low bar. Hey, they played hard. But whatever, it created more excitement, and that's a positive.
1: Uh, absolutely and and the truth is we don't ever get that many true superstars and future hall of famers on the floor playing hard against one another you know at the, the US Olympic trials they're not playing that hard uh, and then when you're playing in the Olympics or the, the the FIBA World Cup you just don't actually uh see that many stars on the floor there's a couple of NBA players and you know team USA is all NBA players but even the best international teams whether it's Spain or France usually have maybe four guys so to have 24 of the best players in the world playing hard against one another, even if it's for an untimed 24-point quarter, that is unique, uh, and that's pretty fun to see.
2: Well, yeah, I think that right there, man. LeBron, you got the MVPs, the titles, the Olympics. Now he's got the 2020 All-Star. Man, that ranks right there with some of the greatest accomplishments, right?
1: Um, it maybe <laughs> I don't know how highly those rank, but you know, I mean, Kawhi was certainly uh, very happy to win the the Kobe Bryant Award, and I do think adding that name to it does uh, it does mean something to those players, especially in light of uh, his passing being so recent. But I think that's something that's going to matter for a long time. I, I do wonder if coaches aren't going to want to see their players playing in games like that. I'm sure, even though Nick Nurse was the coach, he wasn't dying to see. Uh, A player like Kyle Lowry getting ready for a playoff run, taking charges against Kawhi Leonard, who's just an enormous person. So in some sense, it's fun. There honestly may be some pushback from the league that they don't want their guys playing that hard in an exhibition game.
0: Ben Anderson joined us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. So looking ahead to the rest of the season, USA Today ranking all the teams, and they put them in tiers. And they have the Jazz in the second tier. We can be this year's Raptors. And they rank them eighth. And they say, I almost put them in the next tier, but that's insulting to a team that figured it all out after a disastrous start, followed it up with a five-game losing streak, and entered the break having won four in a row against tough opponents. They are underrated. Do you buy all of that? And if not, what part don't you buy?
1: I buy all of it. I don't know if I'd say they had a disastrous start. I mean, they were never below five hundred this year, and it's a brand-new team, and they were you know, trying to work a bunch of players in. So I might disagree with that aspect. Also, I think eight is probably too low. I would buy the Bucks, I would buy the uh, Clippers and the Lakers being better than the Jazz. And I guess you could probably make an argument for the Denver Nuggets. Uh, then I have a hard time believing that anyone else really is significantly better than the Jazz, whether that's the 76ers or whether that's Boston or uh, anyone else in the Western Conference right now. I, I think the Jazz are right in that conversation around maybe five, maybe six. And, and I think eight probably puts them a little bit too low.
2: I think it's important for the Jazz, as they head into the postseason, to just be consistent, to not get to where you know they won 19 of 21, and then all of a sudden they lose five in a row, and then they come back and win four in a row. Uh, to me, these 28 games, whatever it might be, the record be, is what, it, what it'll be, obviously. I want to see them have a form of consistency so... Everybody really knows their roles because they've changed it up a little bit with Conley coming back and O'Neal coming off the bench and, and then what do they do in the backup center spot and how all that is working. So that's what I'm looking for to be completely set as much as they could possibly be, maybe completely is the wrong word, but to be set as much as they could possibly be going in the postseason because I think that gives them the best chance to win. How would you look at that?
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I, you don't want to see any more five-game losing streaks. Even if, let's say, you know, at the end of these 28 games, let's say you go 18 and 10. You, you don't want to have it be, okay, you won 10 games in a row and eight games in a row, and then you had a 10-game losing streak or, you know, a stretch like that. I think you want to see, you know, maybe a three-game losing streak at the longest I, because I think this team starts to buy into what their recent record is. They start to believe that's who they are. So when they lose five in a row... They get down. And when they win 19 of 21, they're really you know up and feel like they're unbeatable. And I'm sure some of that's natural, but but you want to limit those long losing streaks because you don't want this team to start to feel, A, that how young they are truly with their young leaders, and, and then, B, that, hey, this is a hole they can't take themselves out of.
0: So do you think that five-game losing streak was just a one-off, a combination of unique circumstances, or are you legitimately worried they're going to have another flat spot like that in the last 28 games?
1: I'd be surprised. Because they only have 12 teams with above 500 records spread out over these 28 games. And then I do think quality opponent was a little bit shocking. Uh, it was weird circumstances, though. Certainly playing a very weird Rockets team shorthanded where it looked like the Jazz took their foot off the accelerator. Trying to work Mike Conley back into the starting lineup. I think that was a major part of it. You had some weird and some very tough back-to-backs going San Antonio to Denver. Uh, is tough because San Antonio is certainly probably not a playoff team and not not the traditional San Antonio Spurs we've seen, but they're going to play the right way, and uh, you're going to have a coach in Greg Popovich who gets this team ready the right way, and they're going to you know find ways to to have success against you, and then you do mix in a, a 38 point game from Demar Derozan and 50 points, the best from uh, that we've ever seen from Eric Gordon, and another 50 game 50 point game from. Damian Lillard during the best stretch of his career. You also probably caught uh, Nikola Jokic during the best stretch of his career. I mean, he had a stretch where he was averaging 30 points and 20 rebounds and 10 assists. I mean, that's basically unheard of, and he did it for three games. So uh, you, you caught some players at some weird times, and you certainly allowed them to put up those numbers, so, so you're part of the problem. But I, I do think there was a little bit more noise to that losing streak than maybe we thought at the time.
2: have seen two or three things going on with the center position behind Gobert. What do you think they'll do and settle on?
1: I think it's going to be Tony Bradley's job. I still think that's the direction they're going to head in. If if a name popped up on the buyout market, and and that's still happening. You saw Demari Carroll get uh, bought out from the Spurs. Teams are still working on freeing up some of these players. That could happen, and I think the deadline a player has to be on your roster is March second for them to qualify for the playoffs. So you still got a couple of weeks that they could find a guy who who gets made available that they may feel comfortable with getting a few minutes. And you know that doesn't necessarily mean it's a, a traditional big guy the way the Jazz have liked to play. Maybe it's uh, Mike Muscala from the Oklahoma City Thunder, even though you know that's a long shot because they're going to make the playoffs. There could be a name out there that that gets bought out that the Jazz have interest in and find, but. Uh, also joan morgan has, has played well in his couple of minutes that he played i mean i know it was really only the houston rockets but if the jazz feel confident that that's a player they can rely on when teams go five out even if it's for seven minutes in the second half or you know four minutes during stretches if they feel like the jazz are going to be good enough and he was plus 11 in that game randomly if that's a lineup that other teams don't want to go up against then maybe they don't try and play as small against the jazz and they try and uh, beat the jazz in a more traditional way and and that's you know, that, that's probably what the Jazz want long term. So they may not feel like they have to make a major roster change. Jawan Morgan might be a solution. I'll, I'll be curious. I, I honestly don't know how many days Jarrell Brantley has spent with the team. You, you know, you get, what, 45 as a G League player to get to spend in the NBA uh, as a two-way player. I, I have no idea how many of those he's used up. You might rely on him a little bit more heavily down the stretch. Uh, and those are things the Jazz could have been, you know, holding on to and, and waiting on to get to the second half of the season.
0: I figure that Rudy's going to play at least 40 minutes in some of the bigger playoff games later in the playoff series, maybe 42. What do you think?
1: Uh, yeah, I, mean, I think, and I think he can do it. I mean, he's one of the best players in the world. We saw that at the All-Star game. We see it most nights that he suits up for the Jazz. He's, he's ridiculous. He's just an extremely high-impact player, certainly the most high-impact player the Jazz have. Uh, he's probably a top-ten player when you look at how he dictates the game. Uh, now, whether or not that means he's going to be, you know, provide you the tenth most wins, that might be a different conversation. But as far as his impact on the floor, it's, it's it's enormous. And if he's comfortable playing that many, and you're not, you know, running him into the ground, by the time you get to the second series, and you hope you don't need him that much in the first round, uh, I, I don't think there's any reason why you wouldn't want to play him that much.
2: Second place certainly doable. You think it'll be done?
1: Uh, probably not. But I do think that target is getting into that two three spot. So. Worst case scenario, at least you get to avoid the Los Angeles Lakers in the second round. And best case scenario, you hope it's you and Denver in that two and three spot. And then the Los Angeles Clippers fall to the four or five matchup, whether they're four or five, and have to play you know, the Houston Rockets in the first round and then have to play the Lakers in the second round. I think that's probably the dream scenario for the Jazz. And if you get to two, you're probably playing the Dallas Mavericks. And that might be the Jazz best matchup. I and mean, we've seen the Thunder and Chris Paul give the Jazz problems. Uh, we know the uh, Memphis Grizzlies have given the Jazz problems at the time, even the New Orleans Pelicans, though I kind of don't think they're going to make that push. They've given the Jazz problems. Portland's given the Jazz issues. Dallas is the team the Jazz are perfect against so far this year, and, and I know they, they caught them without Luka Doncic at one point, and we're still hard, but I think they like that they can attack Chris Porzingis pretty much every trip down the floor.
0: Do the Clippers match up so well with the Lakers that they will actually embrace the fourth spot and just rest guys and do the whole uh, let's keep everybody, get everybody healthy and then keep everybody healthy and just sit guys and be content with the 4-5, or, or is that crazy?
1: No, I, I don't think that's actually all that crazy. And uh, you, you know, We'll have to keep an eye on what Paul George's hamstring injury looks like. I mean, 20 games is what Mike Conley lost. Now, I know he didn't have the all-star break in there, and that's about 10 days that Paul George is getting the advantage of, and I have no idea the level of, of Paul George's uh, hamstring strain compared to what Mike Conley was dealing with, but they've already been extremely cautious with Paul George, so there's a realistic chance he could lose 10 or 15 games here. And uh, If that's the case, that's good for the Jazz because they probably do slip back to that four-seat because I think they're still going to try and take some days off for Kawhi Leonard. I don't think he, he plays every game in the stretch run, uh, and that would be certainly helpful for the Jazz. And and if it's still not 100%, we know how how fickle hamstrings are, Maybe it impacts them in the playoffs as well. So I do think there's a chance that that injury ends up being a little bit bigger than we expect.
2: Do you think it's best for the Jazz to have everything offensively at the end of games run through Donovan or just see what the situation dictates?
1: I think you, you have to see what the situation dictates. I mean, Donovan Mitchell, I think, is still your best offensive creator and, and has certainly found a little bit of a clutch gene. I mean, I think he's hit some huge shots, even though he's had really bad nights recently. I mean, even against Dallas, I thought he hit some big shots late. Uh, he's played well, and I think that's a good sign that that even when he's not playing his best basketball through the first three quarters or even three-and-a-half quarters, he's tend to have found ways to, to put it together. He really was good against the Houston Rockets in those final six minutes as well. So I think that's a good sign, and yes, you want him to touch the ball probably every trip up the floor in some sense just because you have to put your best wing defender on him, uh, and that's going to be helpful for all the rest of the guys on the roster. But I mean, Boyan Bogdanovich has had a number of clutch shots and Quinn Snyder early in the season talked about what his clutch numbers are. I mean, when games are close and it's late, Boyan Bogdanovich really doesn't miss a whole lot of shots. He also has an ability to get to the mid-range and and make good shots there, which is really important. And I I bet we see a really good Mike Conley down the stretch as well. I know he missed the last two games with uh, an illness, but I thought he played well once he got put back in the starting lineup over that four-game stretch. He looked better off the dribble, and I think we'd seen at any point this season, and Playoffs—you have to be able to isolate, and you have to be able to win a one-on-one matchup. And I think Mike Conley can probably still do that.
0: Five home games to open this up. How many of them do you think they're going to win? Spurs and Rockets back to back, and then the Suns, the Celtics, and Wizards. And none of those are back to back. You're going to pick four and one or five and zero, aren't you? Which one?
1: Uh, I think you four and one would be really successful. Three and two is certainly a possibility, and I hope that's not the case. I wouldn't expect the team to go five and zero against that stretch. I mean that those back to back games to start are are tough. You know, it's just going to be really hard to go San Antonio, Houston. Even though you get to sleep in your own bed, that's that's going to be a really tough back to back. But you know, four and one probably isn't terribly unrealistic. I'll be curious how well they match up against Boston. Boston has a lot of those big wings that can create plays that the Jazz have struggled with at times this season, which every team struggles with, but they don't really have a good defender. For those matchups and they've got a couple of guys that can do it and, and Jason Tatum and, and Jalen Brown so that might be a really tough matchup for the Jazz uh, and we'll see them twice before the end of the season if you're watching the Jazz this year you get to see them two more times so th- that's that would probably be the game I'm circling but Houston seems to be a wild card every time you play them you, you know sometimes you can hang around and beat them and, and James Harden's going to go 2 of 12 from the three point line and, and you'll be alright and sometimes he's going to be hot and Russell Westbrook can go for 38 and, and you're going to lose that game so uh, three and two, honestly, is a good enough stretch for the Jazz. Beat uh, San Antonio, uh, you know, take care of the Wizards certainly, and, and sneak another game in there.
0: Ben, as always, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for checking in with us. All right, guys, thank you. Ben Anderson, hear him on the Jazz radio broadcast pre-half and post-game with Jake.